Thank you, Trio, for that song this morning. What a, what a message and song as they gave to us this morning. Before we even start, just feeling the weight of, of the hour this morning and the topic, let's have a word of prayer just to begin the service this morning. And I'd appreciate your prayers and trying to tackle something. You ever feel like something's just bigger than what you are? <laughs> and uh, so I want the Lord's help, and hopefully it can be a help to you. So let, let's start out with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can trust you. God, I am and doing that now and trying to begin a topic for these next few weeks that I think something that uh, it can rule us, it can uh, tear us apart. Uh, Lord, then in the other turn, it can show us more who you are. So I pray as we begin this this morning, God, that you would help me, Lord. I pray I'd be clear. I pray your word would be true. Lord, I know it is. Help me to, to be clear as I present it. I pray, Lord, that your people could take it, chew on it, grow from it, Lord. If there's anyone in the building, God, that doesn't know you as our personal Savior, God, I pray this would be the morning. God, I pray you'd just speak. You'd help us in this hour. In your name we do pray. Amen. It was 2019. It was a uh, very hot summer night in the Wardok province in central Afghanistan. It's kind of central eastern Afghanistan. There was a special operations U.S. Army Ranger Force that began an assault on a compound that had some enemy targets. As the enemy fighters were firing back at the U.S. Rangers and the Rangers were closing in on the targets, a huge explosion happened and it injured three Army Rangers. Amidst the rounds of machine gun fire and grenades, two Ranger combat medics, Army Staff Sergeant Charles Bowen, and Army Sergeant Ty Abel went into full action to save what turned out to be about six American lives this night. As Bowen and Abel were pulling the critically wounded men behind cover, they began performing advanced surgical techniques there on the battlefield, and they were providing the injured rangers with blood transfusions with the supplies that they had on hand with them. They were able to stabilize two of the injured men, but two of the rangers were losing blood fast. And all of the blood that they had, that they'd brought with them, all those units, they had used up. The two combat medics found themselves in the middle of a battle in a life and death situation. And we're going to leave that battle right there and pick it back up here in a few minutes and find out what happened. Have you ever found yourself in the middle of a war? Not, not a war with hand grenades or machine gun fire, but a war of your mind. The one that tends to come in day after day, night after night, and it literally takes hold of who you are. It's a war that sometimes people don't see. But you know in your heart and in your mind, you face it. That's what we're going to try to unwrap over the course of these next few times that I speak. 
about the spiritual war that takes place in our mind. A lot of times when we're at war mentally, we tend to forget the physical demands that are still placed on us. And that's when we got to maintain control. We've got to maintain balance in our lives. And we got to take care of the intellectual, the emotional, and the spiritual man. Think with me, if you will, to a, to a battle and its physical responsibilities, not just the mental part. I was listening to a podcast, and I had a friend in college who went in uh, to Saudi Arabia uh, back there in 2003, and he's recalling some of the things that he's doing, and he said, we had to move from place to place. We had to, we had to be fed. We had to navigate the daily logistics, where we're going. Uh, if somebody was sick, if so- somebody was injured, all that still happens inside a battle while inside your mind, things can still be raging. He said this, we had to follow a plan of attack. We had to realize who the enemy is, where they were attacking from, and understand this, that enemy is trying to literally exploit every weakness that you have. Now, he was a Marine. He had trained for this, but he still had the physical part as the mental came over him. And just as the enemy attacks the physical, he is going to attack your mental, and it's called spiritual warfare. And it's battling. Some of us deal with it more than others. So over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to take a look and see if we can try to conquer some of these battles that rage in our mind. I didn't say we're going to fix all of them. (laughs) Uh, I didn't say you're going to win all of them. But we're going to try our best to try to give you some help that you can try to battle these in your mind. So we're going to look at them at five, five different things. Today, we're going to look at the situation. What is our situation do you actually realize that you're in a spiritual warfare today? Do you, do you even realize it? You can't win a war unless you know you're in one. <laughs> you can't win it. What, how do you plan if you don't know you're in one? We're going to look at that one today. But over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to look at the mission. What are you trying? What am I trying to accomplish as we fight this spiritual war? Thirdly, we're going to look at the execution. What is our plan to conquer these wars Not if they come, but when they come. Fourthly, we're going to look at the administration and the logistics of a war. What tools do you have available to fight your war? It's not like somebody breaking in your house and you pull out the AR, you pull out the 9mm, I got it, I take care of it. You know, you're rough and tough. That's not the way you'll do this one. Time. Patience experience, trust. This is what will help conquer these wars. And the last one we'll look at over the course of the next few weeks is this. I called it command and control. Where do we get our orders from? Who's in charge? Who sees the battlefield? Who sees the whole battlefield, just not the one that you're in, and he controls all of that. He knows exactly what to do. What do I need to do to stay in contact with him, with the commander-in-chief? 
He knows us better than we know ourselves, right? So we're going to look at the situation, the mission, the execution, the administration, logistics, and command and control. But today, today is the situation. We are at war, and it's a spiritual warfare. You know, your mind can do some absolutely crazy things to you. They make you worry. They make you analyze. They make you seek reassurance. Last night I was sitting at, I have a little place I study there. It's kind of like an extra little eating area. It's dark. The lights are on, and you hear a little outside. <laughs> I look back behind me, and we have a German shepherd. I look back behind me, I didn't see a German shepherd. And you're my, and I mean, I mean, I wasn't scared, I wasn't anything, but in my mind, who's out there? <laughs> and we, we all have those moments where your mind talks, you listened, and sometimes it says, you're, you're crazy. That's the stupidest thing that you could ever do. But you know what we do? We follow what our mind says. We don't know any better. We trust it. Sometimes we respect it a little too much, but then your mind can absolutely torture you. You lay down with it, you get up with it, and you don't know how to put it down, and you don't know how to conquer the war that's happening in your mind. A lot of times in this war, as we try to conquer it, you'll never experience victory because we're trying to use the wrong weapons. Just a few days ago, I was coming home from, I think I was at my mom and dad's eating, and Gracie calls me on the phone, and she says, Dad, you've got to get home. You've got to get home. We've we got problems. I said, Gracie, what is it? There's a snake. It's either a rattlesnake. It's a copperhead. I have no idea what it is. I said, can you fa FaceTime me? Let, let me? Let me see what it is. Let me see. So she goes, you know how FaceTime is. Sometimes it's a little blurry. You can't really tell what it is. But I got it close enough, and I said, well, look, it's not a rattlesnake, okay? I can already count that one out for you. If you know where, it's not a rattlesnake. And so uh, I get to the house, and sure enough, there's a copperhead, probably about a, about a two-foot copperhead, you know. And, uh, and so I go get my twenty-two. And Gracie, want, you know, Nick and Gracie both, they want me to take out the biggest gun I got, just go blow its head off, you know, just make a big, big noise. I said, we don't, we don't need that, okay? Let me show you what to do. So I went out and I took care of business. Sometimes you just, that, that weapon's not needed. You don't need that much firepower, so to speak. And this is what happens. As we use the wrong weapon, sometimes we make bad or questionable decisions and get this, it leads to physical pain and suffering that a Tylenol or an aspirin will never, never fix. It just won't do it. Take all the medication, you can get all the prescriptions. It's not going to solve the problem. We're trying to fight it the wrong way. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. We find Paul in 2 Corinthians this morning battling, if you will, with the Corinthians, and he's trying to confront them with some issues, and he's telling them, look, trouble's coming. 
I'm going to try to be bold. I'm going to try to say what I need to say. But you've got a problem. You've got a problem. Let's read it. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 1 through 6 says this. Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. He's trying to do this the right way. Who in presence and base among you, but being absent, bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some. I may say some things in front of you I'm not supposed to. No, I want to say it to all of you. Which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. He said, this is your problem. You made some bad decisions and you're trying to fix it in the arm of the flesh. But the battle is different than a fleshly battle. Look at verse number 3. For though we walk in the flesh... Notice what he says. We do not war after the flesh. Those fights are pretty easy, right? We can see them. They're tangible. We can feel them. We can get rid of them. We can, have, we can make a decision and it goes away. This is not what he's talking about. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Verse number four says this, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into, every, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. He's there. He's confronting them. You're making some wrong decisions, and he's saying this. Look, life's not about you. It's not what about you feel. It's not what you want. It's about, it's not the, the temporal things. It's fighting the fight the right way, not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And so this is where we find ourselves today in the war. We must realize that to conquer this war that we're in, number one, and this is a tough one, if we're going to try to conquer some of these wars in our minds, number one, realize this. Earthly victories in life, of, in the life of a Christian, are not always guaranteed victories. Let me say it again. Earthly victories in the life of a Christian are not always guaranteed. And this is what our minds will do to us. Well, I'm a Christian. All right, especially if you get a young Christian, all right? They went through life a little bit. They get saved, and then they think that's like their magic button. They can hit it, and nothing else bad's going to happen. It's not the way life goes, okay? I'm a Christian. Nothing's bad's going to happen to me. I'm not going to get sick like they're going to get sick. I've watched these people. They're bad over here. They're not. It gets in our minds. I'm going to read my Bible every day, God, so... My car's got 293,000 miles. I want it to go to 300,000. I'm reading my Bible every day. Don't let that thing blow up on the way to work this morning. We get these weird ideas in our mind. We try to fleece him. We try to fleece God, if you will, okay? And then the car blows up. I'm literally, you're stuck out in the middle of the traffic. You've got people pushing the car. You know, they're doing that number there. It's absolutely embarrassing. And you're like, God. I read Philippians this morning. What's, what's the deal? War begins. The war stirs up in your mind. God, you don't love me anymore. Where, where'd you go? 
God, where are you? I, I told you this, God, if, if I would do this, you fill in the blank, I, I'll, I'll do this. God, you're not keeping up your end of the bargain. <laughs> Our mind gets in the way of what is true and what is right, what's in front of us. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, as a reminder, says this, but thanks be to God which give us us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's there. He's available. We've got to get our minds right. So how should we think? How should we think? Philippians 4, 8 says this, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, whatsoever things are pure, lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, what does he say to do? What's the next word? Think on these things. we got to watch what our mind does. I thought about a story. It's so easy to use, but, man, it's, so fill, it's filled with such good stuff. Go back in your mind to David and Goliath. Try to put yourself in his position as he walks up to camp. David had every reason in the book to lose that battle. Every reason. Let me give you three that I thought about. Just three. David could have said this, there is someone better equipped to me to fight this battle. God, I've only been a Christian X number of years. Why am I going through this? Somebody else should be doing this. I'm not ready for that yet. 1 Samuel 9.2 says this. says it about Saul. Think about what David, think about what David should be thinking here. And he, said, and he said he had a son whose name was Saul, choice young man, goodly. There was, none, there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. From his shoulders and upward, he was higher than any of the people. God, I'm not ready for this. Someone, why me? Saul's better. Why can't Saul do it? What about this one? We have to watch this one. This is where your mind, ooh, it, it, this is a terrible one. Look at everyone that is watching. All eyes are fixed upon me. And when your mind gets to that point, you start thinking, what if I mess up? I was a teacher for a number of years and married to a teacher, and, and uh, there's, a, there's a unique technique that if you want to gain attention, that you do. It's real awkward, but it's very effective. You stop, and you look. It gets attention very well. And even in a classroom setting, are about 15 or 16 seventh graders, they usually uh, tighten up pretty quick. <laughs> it's a very useful technique. All eyes are on you. 40,000 in the Philistine army. 3,000 in the Israelite army. David's three brothers were there. And the gall of Eliab to say this in 1 Samuel 17, 28. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. Eliab's anger was kindled against David. He said, why are you down here? And with whom thou hast left the sheep in the wilderness... I know your pride and the notice of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. All eyes were on David. And sometimes when the eyes get on us, we shut down. We don't know what to do. Why can't the king fight the battle? 
Why can't my brothers fight the battle? There's an army here. Why me? David, David could have said that. What about this one? The battle's just too big. Literally, David has to fight a tank. I mean, he literally has to fight a tank. Why me, God? Why do I have to go face this giant of a man? He could have said all those things. 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 37. Boy, I like the confidence of David, but you remember this. His confidence was not in himself. His confidence was in the God that sent him there. And David said to Saul, this is what he said to him, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock, and I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall as be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. And this is what he said. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. He had every reason in the world not to go to the battle and to realize earthly victory. But here's the deal. Coleman, he won the battle. He did. He won that battle. There was a German philosopher, an atheist. His name was Friedrich Nietzsche. He said this, One ought to hold to one's heart, for if one lets it go, one soon loses control of the head too. He won that battle, but if you remember some of David's other earthly battles, David the adulterer, you remember that story? What about David the murderer? Every battle wasn't a victory. He lost a child. How awful that must have been. One of David's daughters was violated by her brother. You remember Amnon Tamar? You remember that? All his earthly battles were not victories. And this is what I want you to remember. If you're sitting here this morning and you're a Christian and you know who God is, when the war comes, don't lose that mind. Don't lose your mind. You're not fighting battles with bullets. You're not throwing grenades. You're fighting a war that makes me and you wrap our arms around the Almighty. We wrap on, we hold on, and we are clinging to those promises that he made, every single one. Because the battle can get rough. The bombs can go off. Keep it in the mind. All those victories are not guaranteed. If you'll even look in 2 Corinthians 10, at verses 4 and 5, it says, Those weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And he says this, bringing into every thought the obedience of Christ. So number one, number one. Earthly victories in the life of a Christian, they're not always guaranteed. Hold on to your mind. Number two this morning as we hurry here. Number two, emotions are the primary weapon that fight against the mind. Emotions are the primary weapon that fight against the mind. 
And you say this, and I say this. It's mon- tomorrow's Monday, by the way, okay? It starts over again tomorrow. And you find yourself on the way to work, and you're, you're on that 15, 20-minute drive on whatever you do, and you walk in, and you have every reason to have a good day. You've prayed, you've read your Bible, and then you walk in the door, and there they are. <laughs> you know who it is. It's that person that you see, and you're like, I'm going to try to avoid them today. And you walk in, and they meet you first thing, and problem number one arises for the day. And you're like, Lord, we talked about this this morning. <laughs> we had a deal, okay? And you say this, I just don't feel like it. An emotional mind oftentimes is led and directed by our feelings. We have to be careful. Isn't it true the majority of the time that how we think or feel is how we're going to act? God gives us some warning about this. Proverbs 23, verse number 7 says this, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith to thee, but his heart is not with thee. Isaiah 26, 3 says this, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Be careful of your emotions. Watch your emotional mind. Don't be led by your feelings. Everybody is not mad at you. You ever done this before? I've watched kids at school do this a lot. And so here's party A. Here's party B that's got another group with them, you know. And all of a sudden, party A glances over and they see two people talking. Now, we all do this. This doesn't go to just, this doesn't go to just 7th through 12th grade. This goes to us adults, too. We're over here. We're talking. We glance over. And when we see them talking, they glance back at us like this. And we automatically think, what? They're talking about me. What, what are they saying? You got a problem? I mean, you, you are ready to, to kick some tail. I mean, right there. You're, you've already got it in your mind. We're having a fight. They're, they're, they're talking about some recipe last night. <laughs> Not even about you. Watch the emotional mind. What about this one? An emotional mind can be undisciplined, which can lead to brokenness. Your mind ever tricked you before? Nana, nana, nana. <laughs> Played games with you a little bit? How many stories can each of us in this room, there's a lot of families, there's a lot of stories that's represented in this room this morning, and you have watched a loss of friends and families. You have lost or watched someone lose their finances, a career, and the mind played tricks on them. And it got them. It led them down a wrong path. James 1, 13 and 14 says this. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Your mind can trick you. Be careful, it can lead to brokenness. Don't be led by your feelings. Watch the... Discipline your mind. Number three, an emotional mind can be a mind that is out of control. And this is what we do and say, I'm just wired that way. Undo the wires. Undo the wires. Anger, mad, pouty. 
Proverbs 16.32 says this, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit, then he taketh the city. You know, I was Wednesday night, I was back here in the, in the foyer area, and I won't say the name, uh, a parent was talking about his, his, his children, and they were of young age, and he, he said, Coleman, he said, I thought it was just the terrible twos. It's been the terrible ones. It's been the terrible six months. He says, when does this thing end? There's drama all the time. It continues. <laughs> Those of you that have kids, it still continues, okay? They just happen to give names to some of the stages, okay? An emotional mind can be a mind that's out of control. So, we don't win all the victories. Emotions are the primary weapon that fight against the mind. And then lastly... Here's the hope part of this. There's some realizations in war. There's some realizations in a battle. But lastly, if you want eternal or spiritual victories, they're there and they can be secured and available in Christ. Who's on your side this morning? Who are you going into battle with? Is it someone that you trust? I will tell you this. If Christ is not right in the very heart and center of your battle, boy, I would reach out this morning. Here's an opportunity to take care of it this morning. Let's go back to our story. Let's go back and find Sergeant Bowen and Sergeant Abel there on the battlefield. Remember, they had stabilized two of these injured rangers, but two of them, if you remember, were losing blood fast, and all of their units of blood were gone. They were in what we would call a life-and-death situation. So what they decided to do is to attempt something in the battlefield that had never been done before. It was called the Ranger O. Low, tighter protocol. You say, what in the world is that? This is when a volunteer transfers his or her blood to an injured person there in the battlefield so they can save their life. It was a new procedure, and it had never been attempted before. So literally... These two sergeants, as bullets were flying over their head, worked with a volunteer ranger and transferred blood to these two injured rangers there on the battlefield and saved their lives. The Rolo, they call it. Along with those two men, they also treated another ranger that had a fatal hemorrhage and triaged two additional casualties in the field that night. They were in a life and death situation where literally somebody else had to give some of their life <laughs> to help them finish theirs. And I'm here to tell you this morning, there may be somebody in the building that's in a life and death situation this morning. You need a volunteer to jump in. You need a blood transfusion, if you will. You need the life of Jesus Christ who gave his life for you 
on a cross and shed his blood. That's how you get spiritual victory. He is on your side. He steps in. I love football. I love sports. Salvation is not one of these, there's three seconds left. We're on the 45-yard line, and all of a sudden he just drops back, and he throws a what? That's not what salvation is. Salvation is secure, and it's the finishing act of God that will give you a spiritual victory. This morning, Jesus Christ can be your volunteer. (laughs) He can be that substitution that you need. And I encourage you, you're not going to win all the battles. The mind's still going to rage. But boy, if you've got him and you can control those emotions, you've got a wealth of victory that sits in front of you. In Acts 4, 10 through 12, Peter said this. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand before you whole. Verse number 11 says, This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. And this is what he said. Neither is there salvation in any other For there is none other name under heaven given among you whereby we must be saved. Do you know your situation this morning? Do you realize all of us are in a war? It's going to come. Are you going to have the help that you need? Let's bow our hands. Stand this morning. I don't know, hopefully the Lord has spoken to you about something. He's encouraged you this morning in some way. If you need to find a place up here at the altar this morning to talk with the Lord about your specific battle that you're going through. Maybe it's an emotional battle. Maybe it's an intellectual battle. Maybe it's a spiritual battle. You need Christ this morning. He is available. And he is ready for you. Matt's going to sing a verse of a song.